What is up, everybody? I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, where I'm joined by the first recurring guest outside of the chat, Pierre Corbin. So if you haven't heard Pierre and my last episode, be sure to check that out. And it was all on the Great Reset and the Rise of Bitcoin. But he's now working on a second film, a Bitcoin documentary called The Fight for the U.S. Dollar. So we get into his life, uh, the reception of the Great Reset film, film festivals, Bitcoiners versus non-Bitcoiners, Bitcoin conferences, networking with Bitcoin, and uh, his guys are fun. So be sure to donate with that if you have some to spare to help get the numbers up. He's always, always looking for that and support a Bitcoiner doing a lot for the space if you can. And then we take a dive into the six current event stories surrounding Bitcoin and the greater macro economy. We talk about the Bank of Russia approving the use of Bitcoins and shitcoins for international trade, the Human Rights Foundation donating $325,000 worth of Bitcoin to Bitcoin core developers, Michael Saylor being charged with tax evasion, Bitcoin Beach receiving $200 million for infrastructure, El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal tender about a year ago, so we review that. And lastly, wrap up with 200 new businesses in Guatemala now accepting Bitcoin and how that is going from the grassroots movement. But as always, ladies and gents, this is not financial advice, so please do not take it as such. And this is strictly for entertainment purposes only. So let's get into the episode. Whoosh. What is up, everybody? I'm live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. But first, I do have a new sponsor. So if you guys want to support the cause, be sure to come in and uh, and uh, create a new account on BitGet. BitGet is a place where you can buy and sell some futures around Bitcoin. Uh, I even have a new deal for you. So if you sign up, with BitGet using the link um, that I'm going to post in the show notes, you'll be able to you uh, get $0 fees for any spot trades that you make, and then you will be able to get a $10 sign-on bonus and then a deposit bonus for up to $100. So support the cause and join BitGet, and I will post that link in the show notes and the description below. And then also, I'd like to thank everybody who's given me a boost on Fountain. So uh, I'm kind of getting delayed here because I'm pulling them up. But I'd like to thank, uh, you know, everybody who listens on Podcasting 2.0 or any of those Podcasting 2.0 apps. Uh, if you feel inclined, feel free to stream me some sats. Um, some of the cool comments that I got uh, were, uh, I got a couple from BitGuy. He said he never saw the banning of Bitcoin mining in China like that. Very interesting point. He also said that he is from Europe and the situation is not looking great in Europe as well. So um, I hope that things kind of turn around for you guys in Europe. And then um, Jim Zifert, I believe, is uh, he says, I always laugh when people say this is for entertainment purposes only. And uh, so I guess it is. But. On that note, I have my first recurring guest outside of people from the chat. I have Pierre Corbin, the director of The Great Reset, and he's also working on another project. So, Pierre, how are you doing today? 
Yeah. Hi, Brandon. Really good. Hi, everyone who's watching. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So um, for those who might have missed our first episode together, why don't you kind of go into the Great Reset and kind of your mission behind uh, creating the documentary film, The Great Reset and the Rise of Bitcoin? Yeah. So um, if you haven't watched the film, go watch it. The Great Reset and the Rise of Bitcoin. Um, that's uh, my first documentary project ever, my first Bitcoin project too. And it's uh, about just looking at the state of the economy today based off uh, the three, uh, I mean, the principles that uh, uh, Ray Dalio lays out in his video, how the economic machine works. And uh, just looking at what he says and uh, um, refreshing the data, basically. So looking at the fresh data to check the state of our economy today and where it could be heading based off his principles. And then adding Bitcoin in the loop as the potential safe haven that we as Bitcoiners believe that it is. So just trying to wrap this whole narrative in a one hour and 20 minute documentary. Uh, that's what it is. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of got into it in the last conversation, but your background isn't in, uh, you know, making films or anything like that. So, you know, what was the biggest thing that you learned kind of going through this whole process? And what was the motivation behind, you know, just creating a film um, in general uh, on Bitcoin? Um, yeah, so the motivation was just uh, wanting to do something Bitcoin related, you know, and uh, what kind of idea, I mean, I was struggling to find the right idea, I was always into filmmaking, uh, even though that's not, I mean, I studied finance and then worked in tech, so like nothing to do with um, filmmaking, but I just always really enjoyed, you know, having fun with that. So I guess, yeah, when I had a lot of free time uh, trying to figure out what I could do for Bitcoin, the first idea that came was just uh, just to make a film. And I think it was the just a very good way to explain all these concepts and all these uh, economic principles that we as Bitcoiners understand and always, you know, talk about and ramble about, but try to make it more uh, open to anyone that is not necessarily a Bitcoiner. I mean, my film only talks about Bitcoin halfway through the film. The Everything else is just very general economy stuff. So anyone can understand it. And then once the audience understands it's important and potentially a problem for them, then introduce Bitcoin as a solution. Yeah, and it was a great film and it got picked up, um, you know, by a couple of film festivals. Uh, you actually met me out here in uh, the Tampa Bay area for the Sunset Music Festival. So, you know, how did you feel about the response? Because, you know, it seems like Although it got picked up by, you know, Bitcoin Magazine and a lot of these Bitcoin outlets, it seems like it got, uh, you know, picked up by quite a few other, you know, outlets that not necessarily just for Bitcoin. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the response and the response from, you know, not only the Bitcoin community, but the non-Bitcoin community? Yeah. So, you know, in terms of, fil of film festivals, yeah, I was selected for a couple, including the one we met at uh, and... I mean, if you remember after the screening, there was a lot of questions. There was a bit, uh, no Bitcoiners were there apart from the two of us. So it was, uh, it was, yeah, I, I mean, it was better received than I thought it would be by this crowd, kind of. Everyone was was pretty interested. And I know that in general, even the organizer, the, the guy that runs this uh, film festival, he is the one that actually selected my film. He wanted it to be there because it was an important topic, according to him, that other people should, should watch. So... Uh, I mean, that's great, right? Because it speaks to like how it's a topic that everyone realized. I mean, more and more people realize they should understand more about. So they might as well try and push uh, some quality content like this. Um, 
and other than that, yeah, I mean, the film reached over a million views. I think we're at like one million two hundred almost, uh, uh, which is pretty awesome. And uh, and you know, it's not only Bitcoiners. I mean, the majority of the views that I have come from YouTube directly, right? So it's not even all the promotion that I try and do on Twitter and all the spamming and all this stuff, right? It's um, it's really off YouTube. And I even checked today. Um, the number one search of people that watch my content is XRP. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, just, uh, but th this is cool, right? Because like people that search for XRP might watch my film and might realize, okay, actually, maybe I should just go with Bitcoin. <laughs> so that's, uh, that, at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's a great fact. But uh, yeah, this just gives an idea of, uh, how broad of an audience uh, the, the film reached and can still continue reaching. Right? Yeah, for sure. And I think the interesting part of that too is like, I, I think, you know, when, when we were at the film festival, I had, a, I had to help a couple, uh, you know, elderly, elderly women purchase Bitcoin and they're asking me, how much Bitcoin do you have? All this and that. And uh, some kind of funny questions, you know, to, to get out and, you know, I just showed them the general cash app kind of thing uh, to, to buy and sell Bitcoin. But, you know, at, at the uh, at the end of the day, like, are you seeing a lot of that where a lot of people that kind of come in and watch your film, are they kind of associating still Bitcoin with crypto? And, you know, uh, or do they kind of see, you know, when you when you go into the Ethereum versus Bitcoin aspect in your film, uh, do they kind of get it and just ask you about Bitcoin? Um, no, most people still associate Bitcoin to crypto. And uh, I mean, I always correct them, you know, like whenever someone, you know, friends, whoever in a conversation says, yeah, well, you're into crypto. I always say, no, I'm into Bitcoin, you know, and uh, it's just, uh, I think little by little people, then they're like, oh, yes, that's true. Bitcoin, okay. <laughs> and uh, little by little, it sticks, I guess. But in general, yeah, people still really assume that Bitcoin is crypto. And um, I don't know, the, like, it's hard to make this more clear to people. I know that now we're, we're going to, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to put out a, an article that will be Bitcoin is not crypto based on like quite some good research. So, uh, I mean, you know, you'll check it out then. But because uh, I think like a real effort has to be made so people distinguish the two, you know. Um, yeah. And my film wasn't good enough yet, even though like I really trash talked shit coins on <laughs> in my film. There's like a five minute scene where that's literally what I do. But still still yeah i know so that that's why i thought it was funny that uh you know even though you you did trash talk uh you know shit coins ethereum and all that uh, people still kind of uh search for xrp and other things uh outside of that but you know I, I teased it a little bit at the beginning you're starting to work on a new film so why don't you get into that and talk about you know the, the mission behind that and the differences and i guess the next step after the great reset and the rise of bitcoin yeah so um so, so this first film, The Great Reset and the Rise of Bitcoin, it was really about um, how we are impacted as individuals. Uh, you know, there's a big focus on inflation and where the inflation comes from, because, I mean, it all like ties down to that, I believe. And um, so, you know, in my first film, I just wanted to, me, to make it clear to people why they should care and why they should pay attention. And they should look for certain alternatives, because the direction we're headed towards is not good in terms of you know, monetary decisions and the impact it can have on people's wallets. Um, and Bitcoin is a potential, you know, solution they should look at and explain it. So now 
that you know in this first film I got the attention of individuals. Uh, well, it's important I think to also explain to people why it matters in the bigger scheme of things. Uh, and by that I mean uh, nation state adoption and what are the actors that are trying to block Bitcoin adoption, uh, that are trying to slow it down, for what reasons, in what ways, you know, what kind of influences and pressures are being used. And that's exactly what I want that film to be about. Uh, with, you know, focus on, of course, everyone around, I mean, every country around the world where this is happening, but a big focus on Central America, because obviously there's El Salvador there, and this is where the actual nation state adoption is happening in the region. Now, there is more, of course, right? There's a uh, in Guatemala and Honduras, I mean, there there's cities, towns that are uh, growing that are themselves adopting Bitcoin, but it's separately from the government. The local government is simply not blocking it, yeah, but they're not pushing for the adoption. So uh, the whole idea came from uh, meeting Samson Mao in El Salvador when he mentioned to me traveling in all these countries in the region that after each meeting that he had, there was someone from uh, intelligence agency in the US that was there just to put pressure, just understand what they were talking about, what he's trying to push, what um, the government's approach is towards this, you know, Bitcoin nation state adoption that Samson Ma is trying to push. Um, so that's the story, you know, investigate the exactly these situations, why this is happening who is doing it, whether it's a government directly or, you know, the bank institutions, the bank establishment and their international rules that they said that banks have to follow everywhere because otherwise they can't transact internationally. Uh, and that's uh, the case in El Salvador, for example, where uh, it is very hard to open a bank account even for Bitcoin companies simply because you represent a risk as a Bitcoin company and banks have to follow the international banking rules. So, you know, it's just the different ways how Bitcoin adoption is blocked. And, and I think it's a, I mean, there's a great story there, you know, uh, just investigating all of this is super interesting. There's some great people that can talk about this and, and clear it out uh, and also bring the whole historical context around it. So why uh, did this influence start in the first place there, you know, and it can go way back to right after the U.S. independence and uh, how the U.S. started um, becoming the police of the region and really made sure there was a Western hemisphere, including Central and South America. And little by little, just started pushing their influence a bit more. And I mean, it's very interesting history. And I think putting it all together in one piece, but adding the context of today's Bitcoin story um, just wraps it up nicely and can give a good idea of Bitcoin's role in our global monetary space and uh, geopolitical space as well. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. So it's, it's kind of like the next step, right? It's like, first, why do we need Bitcoin? And then now it's like, all right, nation states that are adopting it. And it seems like, you know, the, a lot of progress is kind of moving towards that. And we'll get into that a little bit later on some of that those stories. But um, I know you've set up a geyser fund to help donate to the cause and everything like that. So. How is, uh, you know, I, I guess we, we got into the initial receiving of, uh, you know, the first film, whether it was Bitcoiners and non-Bitcoiners, you know, are you seeing a lot of support behind the second uh, second film or, um, you know, or uh, is the word not quite out yet in the Bitcoin community that you're working on something else? Um, so mixed, I guess. Uh, 
I reached out quite early to a bunch of big Bitcoiners, um, whether you know they're CEOs of some Bitcoin companies, angel investors, and just influencers, you know, whatever you want to categorize them with, try, trying to um, well explain them the story, why it matters, why I'm passionate about it, and try and see if they would want to back it. Now, of course, when you know the price of Bitcoin is sixty uh, percent lower than it was a few months ago, everyone is a bit slower with that, and I totally get it. And uh, I actually found support from Brad Mills uh, that um, so he uh, uh, produced um, this machine greens and also is working on the trust film uh, that is directed by Jamie King. And uh, they've also just started a Geyser campaign, in fact. Um, and, you know, we got on a call. I explained the whole project, so my first film, what I'm doing, what I want to do. And... Uh, um, he suggested to start a Geyser fundraiser because, I mean, obviously he's also an investor in Geyser and it's just a good way to like have this whole Bitcoin story wrapped together. Um, and yeah, so we went with that. Uh, there's a, just a lot of work to be done, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do now. I'm lucky to have a team of uh, researchers that are uh, working with me that are just, you know, we exchange a lot of stories that we find. They're writing articles. I'm writing articles too. And, uh, and, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that every week we release one article about these topics uh, and one video about these topics too, just to um, get the Bitcoin community more interested. For now on Geyser, we have, I think, around 35 backers, which is, I mean, really cool to everyone. If anyone's watching that donated, thank you. Uh, and... Uh, uh, yeah, and we've raised about, I don't know, 600 bucks. Well, it depends on the price of Bitcoin, obviously. Um, and um, so about 3 million uh, sats. And yesterday actually was uh, announced the first round of uh, the Geyser grants was uh, distributed. And I'm uh, happy that my project is among the five projects that received the highest possible grant, which is 5 million Satoshi. So about a thousand bucks, which is... Really cool, you know. So we're at eight uh, million uh, Satoshi, which is well eight percent of a Bitcoin. Slowly getting there, you know. And I think that um, at the same time, through the content we're putting out there, there's more and more Bitcoiners that are following. You know, we're at over a hundred followers each week. Uh, I mean, plus over a hundred followers each week. So we just have to continue going after it, and uh, and the, there's going to be. Uh, more response from from the community, but because uh, I, th I think you know what we're trying to do actually has value, and we're passionate about it. And three of the guys that are working with me are one of them is from Peru. There's also from Mexico and from Brazil, so they're directly concerned by the story too. You know, so they're very passionate about it too, and they're very excited to be working on it. So you know, it's a it's a great team. It's a great way to to be putting this uh, this content uh, out there. Now you know in terms of uh, bigger funding, we've also got some commitments of $10,000 that will help us to actually start running the, so start the business and uh, start the first expenses uh, and start uh, interviews, uh, you know, uh, so to put even more content out there, just to make sure people realize we're actually, you know, it's proof of work. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. I think people underestimate like how much, you know, research and uh, things that go went into the first film. And, you know, it seems like you're, you're putting in a lot more effort into, I guess, just getting in front of it and putting out more content surrounding, um, you know, the second film. And so, uh, yeah, like, why, do, why don't you talk about like how much research, you know, is really going into it. And uh, the question on, I have for you on your research, too, is like, is it you know, the, the, the more that you research and kind of get into it, is it kind of like just reassuring or is it making you more and more bullish on Bitcoin going forward? 
Um, yeah, so, I mean, in terms of research, you know, the way we approach it is, uh, I mean, okay, the number one topic is, uh, because that's the bigger, that's the elephant in the room, let's say, it's US influence in Central America, right? And then relate all of this to uh, Bitcoin. And yeah, th that's where it starts, you know, and then try and get stories. And what we do is we list out just ideas of articles, you know, because what we want to do is put articles out there that we also send to Bitcoin Magazine and that they uh, retweet. There's also BitcoinNews.com that are uh, partners and they're also sharing every article that we have. So, you know, we want to put content out there that can be easily shared by some Bitcoin news platform. Um, and this is, yeah, quite a bit of work, you know, because uh, we always want to have a certain historical perspective and bring it to the current situation and relate it to Bitcoin. So one article, I mean, it depends how quickly you write, you know, but uh, it'll be at least one week of work. And there's often multiple articles that are being written at the same time. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's a lot of research for them. There has to be conversations with people that can hint us towards certain directions, certain new topics, uh, things to explore. And um, I mean, it's fascinating. It's very interesting. I like geeking out onto these kind of topics, and I'm lucky to have a team that also enjoys that. So it's, uh, yeah, but quite quite a bit of work, yeah. Um, and your your question, where was it? Oh, it was just like you know, is it reassuring and kind of uh, yeah. making you more bullish when you dive into these stories, uh, just overall on Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. So there's, it's always, depending on the story that you look for, there will always be, um, well, one of two sides of the story in the sense that there, there is like in the US, I mean, it is one of the countries that is the most uh, open to adopting Bitcoin, it seems. But at the same time, it is also one of the ones that have the most power to block it. Yeah. So there's there's these two sides of it. Yeah. And it like I think we have to be fair, obviously, uh, in the way we we research that. And um, and that's why it's it's easier though to focus on it internationally, because in the U.S. the U.S. seems to be quite open to Bitcoin on certain things, but when it comes to outside of the U.S., that's where they're like more keen on blocking it because of the whole SWIFT system and because of you know the control they have on our monetary system. So there's a bit of both, you know. But in general, one thing is certain is that the more you research the history of certain governments and the, you know, their self-sovereignty and the outside influences they may have had or they have today, the more anyway you realize that Bitcoin has its place in the world. Because, I mean, it's just um, for a country in Central America, let's say El Salvador, that has been abused historically by the U.S., you know, through these banana republics that were created in the last century. Um, it was all because of resources that were extracted and sent to the US um, with Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining and all of the volcanoes that El Salvador has. They can not only improve in their energy grid and have a more abundant uh, energy in general, which we know means a more flourishing society. But on top of that, they can directly mine Bitcoin and they don't need to export that anywhere it's just there you know it's not something they need to rely on anyone to do they can just do it there and have money that is instantly that can be sent to anywhere in the world instantly i mean i think it's just a new industry 
that can give so much power back to a country like El Salvador or any other country for that matter, right? It's just El Salvador are actively uh, moving in that direction. So I think, uh, you know, it's just the, the kind of uh, the way of looking at it that tells you, yeah, like it's a good thing for them. Like, and it's a good thing for everyone that can just gain a stronger independence, which is interesting, you know, because that's the point of Bitcoin for individuals. It's to, you know, regain your sovereignty, your financial independence and not you know, be a victim of uh, whoever decides to print more money or decides to block transactions. I mean, anything like that. Yeah. And this is also true at a nation level, which is a great story, I think. Oh, it's an outstanding story. And we'll get into a lot of these different, you know, international and, and a couple U.S. based stories in a second. But before we move on to to the current event stories, uh, do you have like an ETA of when you'd like to put out the second film or uh, are you just kind of still in the planning stage? Yeah, it's a bit too soon to tell, you know, because right now what matters is to raise some money. Um, now, I want to do anyway a very uh, kind of uh, agile and iterative way of raising the funds uh, because I don't think we'll be able to raise all the money at once. I think it'll be more raise a certain sum uh, that allows to you know move forward with the project and then with the content that we got there uh, be able to promote our project some more and get the rest of the funds necessary to just keep on moving forward yeah and um, I mean uh, we're already I mean th these articles that we're putting out there it's just us opening up our research you know that it's a research that we have to do anyway to build a story and it's just open sourcing it kind of <laughs> and um, which is you know great for the promotion of the project and what i want to do is be able to as soon as possible start uh, already interviewing people now there's a few conferences that i'm going to be attending uh, including in el salvador and you know that's what i would hope to be able to do already just see a bunch of like big names that will be there and try and have their opinions about these you know have short conversations that i can then reuse uh, in the film so yeah iterative approach you know and then whenever i'll be satisfied with the content that uh, that i have then we can start going into the post-production and the editing and and so on there we go all right well when you uh, are getting ready to release it maybe we'll have you back on for a third time to do a little preview and everything like that too so um but let's move on to there there has been a lot of interesting international stories going on right now when it comes to bitcoin so the first one that i want to dive into is the Bank of Russia has now approved for the use of Bitcoin and, you know, shit coins for a lesser extent for international trade. Now, I think this story is super interesting because last week uh, I talked about it with Tone um, on my last episode that Iran approved the use of Bitcoin for international trade. And so, you know, because of the whole Europe situation, we got the Russia-Ukraine conflict and seemingly like uh, kind of a... Uh, you know, holding Europe by the balls, it seems, uh, with this whole like energy crisis, you know, I, you think of countries like Germany, um, that became really reliant on Russia, Russia's natural gas and oil and other things like that. Um, it seems like Russia's kind of going against and uh, just keeps going and kind of uh, pulling against the United States and anything else that they do. Um, and so I think, you know, for me, I think this is probably one of the biggest things that could happen is, you know, first, obviously it got approved, but once trades start getting made in Bitcoin uh, internationally, you know, that could be the end of the U.S. dollar pretty, pretty soon as, as more and more countries kind of start to onboard and, and use this approach. 
Um, so what are your thoughts on uh, Russia potentially using Bitcoin as international trade? Do you kind of see it along the lines that I do or do you see it, uh, you know, maybe as maybe as a negative? Um, I mean, a negative, it depends who, you know, whose position we're taking. For Bitcoin, I think it's a positive. I mean, it was kind of bound to happen, I feel. Um, it's the kind of conversation, the kind of like, uh, you know, rumors that we've been hearing since the start of the conflict, in fact. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of content that was put out there uh, through the past few months from the Ministry of Finance, from uh, Putin himself from the Russian central bank, just like hints towards them anyway, moving towards that. Right. And I mean, yeah, it, it, for me, it makes sense, you know, cause they, it just allows them to eliminate the swift system, which is ultimately, I think their goal. Right. And it's not their first move towards that. Yeah. And like a few weeks ago, there was again, more progress that was shared um, with the, you know, the BRICS and the reserve currency that they would want to create uh, that would be, uh, that would replace the U.S. dollar based off hard metals. I mean, we'll see whatever it ends up looking like. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they have these objectives there. And, and it's just the way the U.S. dollar is being used is clearly changing. I mean, energy was only sold in U.S. dollar. And now there's Russia and China that are selling each other energy in either of their currencies. Iran just did this, as you mentioned. Um, and even if I think of uh, Egypt uh, last week, I think announced that they were going to create new uh, bonds and were originally going to do them in dollars and ended up going for yuan, right? So it's just the kind of thing that shows you that the US dollar is clearly not the same currency that it used to be internationally. And there's, uh, I mean, there's the fight. That's the name of my new product, the fight for the US dollar. You know, it's because of all of these situations. Yeah. Uh, and I think... Uh, I mean, we'll see what comes out of this. I hope that the stronger currency becomes Bitcoin. Uh, but uh, it's all, it, I mean, it's all plays for them, right? I think that's uh, where we have to be careful with uh, whether we get excited or not about that. And there's two sides of the story always. Yeah, I feel like it's just a giant chess match kind of going on between uh, Russia and the US, Russia and China maybe as well, kind of grouping them together. Um, and it seems like, just like you said, you know, more and more cracks are being shown in the U.S. dollar. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, I, I actually heard anecdotally that, um, you know, when El Salvador kind of adopted it, it was more so kind of as, uh, you know, like you mentioned earlier, it, almost like a stab in the back of, of the United States because, um, you know, all of these countries have kind of uh, come at the hands of the United States. And in order for the fiat system to kind of work, there's got to be winners and losers, right? And so the U.S. kind of seemingly kept winning in a lot of these Latin American countries and other countries like that uh, kept losing. And uh, I think, you know, this is a, a sign where Russia and, uh, you know, maybe some other countries are going to start to develop and integrate this. Uh, but I'm also kind of wary on this story where it's like, OK, they did it for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. Which leads me to believe like maybe that and i think another aspect of this story too is that russia is approving it for international trade but also they still have it illegal for their own citizens to like buy and sell bitcoin and other crypto so it's like it's kind of like a double-edged sword right like it's maybe it's positive for the space if they do that but they're also like limiting their citizens for for buying it so 
I don't know. I mean, I like, I'm kind of like in between on this story. Like I think Russia's making a lot of very smart, like international moves, like say what you want about Putin, but um, you know, at the end of the day, like this is another thing that just kind of hurts the U S dollar. Um, I wish that they would open it up for their citizens, but you know, um, I guess uh, it, it all takes time to kind of develop that thing. And maybe they will, maybe they won't. It's just like, it's kind of interesting how a lot of these nations that are adopting it have kind of flip-flopped too. Like I, I mentioned Iran, they banned Bitcoin mining, like, and then they took, pulled off the ban and then they banned it again. And now they approve Bitcoin for use of international trade. So there's a lot of countries that I think are still kind of flip-flopping and figuring out which side of the, I guess, pond they land on. But um, yeah, I think overall, uh, Russia has, a has, a you know, a plan and they're kind of starting to execute that and we're kind of seeing it all play out right in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, as you say, they're closing it to their citizens. I think, I mean, Russia will remain Russia, I think at least, uh, as long as Putin is there and the actions that they're trying to take, it's only to benefit themselves and the government, not their citizens, I think. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, on, on the citizens note, um, we have the Human Rights Foundation donating $325,000 in Bitcoin uh, to Bitcoin core devs. Um, so they released a press release in Bitcoin magazine. You know, Alex Gladstein, he's the chief strategy officer at the Human Rights Foundation and a very noted Bitcoiner. Uh, I know they had like a big, uh, you know, uh, conference in Norway, I want to say it was, where the Human Rights Foundation sponsored it. And part of that was about sound money and sound money principles. But one of the biggest donations is going to 100,000 to BTC Pay Server, which is also in collaboration with Strikes Nonprofit. So, um, you know, what do you think of like the Human Rights Foundation kind of getting behind uh, Bitcoin? Do you think that it's going to encourage more countries to kind of open it up to their citizens? Uh, as the Human Rights Foundation is kind of getting behind it? Or do you think, uh, you know, governments are still going to kind of, uh, I guess, limit their citizens and try to do as much as they can to stay in power? Well, okay. So I think this second one is, of course, anyway, going to remain true. <laughs> I think that uh, it's hopeful for other foundations, you know, because they're, I mean, foundations are pretty much in competition with each other, right? Um, I mean, of course, they have all, in theory, good good objectives and good goals, right? But it's still who gets what money from what government and they're in competition between each other. And uh, this is the kind of thing that other foundations are also going to, I mean, they see it, yeah? It's a network. They see what's happening. And I think what's good about it is that it can make them, well, look at Bitcoin from this angle too. It's like, okay, so... Um, we know that the Human Rights Foundation has been a supporter of Bitcoin uh, through different, I mean, yeah, Alex Glassian, and there's other members of the Human Rights Foundation that are also very supportive and work on like big uh, projects to help people in Africa, for example, you know, have a certain financial freedom thanks to Bitcoin or be able to be banked, you know, this the kind of Bitcoin concepts, of course. And, um, and I'm sure they're well aware about it, yeah, but... A foundation that is capable of giving over three hundred thousand dollars to different groups. I mean, it, I don't think it happens that often, you know, this way, especially for Bitcoin. I mean, I think it's the kind of thing that can uh, just bring more eyes. You know, it's it's a big headline, and it's a big headline for people within this industry. And uh, and I think that's really cool because it'll just uh, you know force one boss to be like, oh, 
they did this. Wait, you two analysts, go and check out what's up with that in Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe it will lead them to educate themselves some more and educate this entire foundation that will then do similar kind of things and educate the next one some more. So, um, yeah, so I think it's pretty awesome, actually. It's really crazy that they would gather so much money and be able to distribute it to uh, Bitcoin devs. Yeah, and I think that the interesting part about this too is like it's strictly you know a donation, just so you know the Bitcoin devs can can live. So because because a lot of times these you know fir- there's either firms, venture capitalists, you know what have you, they don't donate, right? They just buy a stake in whatever company that it is, right? So they're like, hey, we'll give you money uh, with anticipation of potentially getting that return back, but. You know, obviously, the Human Rights Foundation seems like they they see like the real positives of Bitcoin um, and the hard money principles for, you know, everybody globally. You know, you mentioned Africa, Latin America, obviously, we'll get into a little bit later as well. Um, and a lot of these other countries that have kind of been you know impoverished, um, you know, can, can really benefit from moving to, to the Bitcoin standard. So uh, it seems like that's that's moving that direction and that this is just kind of like another cog in, in the, the race here too. So, um, you know, I, 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 obviously it's a huge positive and I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the human rights foundation doing this is great. Um, but you know, the, the, on the flip note, I think, you know, 325,000 sounds like a lot of money. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, that, that kind of runs out fairly quickly. So, um, if that could be something that, uh, you know, obviously if it, it's, it's in Bitcoin and Bitcoin can appreciate and everything like that. So hopefully that 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 can kind of continues. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I hope to see more and more people and more and more Bitcoiners kind of uh, rally together and help support these devs, because a lot of them are working on like, you know, open source projects that they aren't getting paid for kind of. Kind of like you know, you know, like uh, you were talking about a lot of this work in the Bitcoin community is is open source, and it's more so you know putting that proof of work really behind uh, yourself in the space too. So uh, I think it's a positive, but I hope to see you know more and more stories like this going forward in the future. Um, but on the flip note too, we also talked about you know the United States being kind of against uh, Bitcoin and like the adoption. And I think this next story is kind of interesting and it's along those lines because, uh, you know, Michael Saylor is now being sued by the Washington, D.C. attorney general. And so, uh, you know, he's obviously a noted Bitcoiner, very big in the space. um, And they said he's been uh, evading taxes for the past 10 years. They say he's lived in Washington, D.C., Uh, Saylor claims he lives in Miami Beach for more than half the year. Uh, but, you know, what I find is pretty interesting here is that the attorney general announced all this suit via Twitter thread. Uh, so he's making this all very, very public. And so I don't know, like, whether or not, like, he expected, you know, maybe uh, Bitcoiners to kind of go at him or, you know, anti people who are against Bitcoiner or Bitcoin in general and kind of like hate Michael Saylor to be on his side or what. But I feel like it's all kind of you know, very decisive in that manner or divisive in that manner. Um, so I'd be curious to hear what your points are, what you think about, you know, just overall the U.S. Uh, trying to sue Michael Sa- or Washington, D.C., trying to sue Saylor. Do you think that it's, you know, Bitcoin plays a part in it? Or do you think it's just simply like this guy has a lot of money and uh, the U.S. is trying to uh, get some taxes back? In? I mean, 
you know that's all speculation yeah i think uh, we can't we we don't know right but i think that if it was just about trying to get some extra tax money like i mean there's other ways of doing it there's other people you can reach out to and in fact if you think of like general um government strategy around that going after the rich people isn't what's usually like done right it's rather force higher taxes for whatever kind of bullshit reason to people you know small people that can't fight it basically right so for me it's a media play as you said it was done on twitter like i mean that's super dodgy i feel i think it's just media play it's just likely to uh you know it's the small kind of thing because maybe nothing will come out of it right maybe uh all his taxes were like sorted properly from the start and that'll be the result of it although we likely won't hear it as much in the media <laughs> as that story or maybe he did do some tax fraud and has to pay a certain amount i mean how much would that be and he's not going to like become poor because of it i guess so like it's uh you know i don't think it's that big of an amount right but what it is though is just an additional opportunity to associate bitcoiners with fraud with um whatever bad financial schemes that exist in the space is just one more blow one more you know repeating this same story again you know and for whoever watched the news that day or was on twitter that day that cares nothing about bitcoin and will have a conversation about this in the coming weeks you'll be like oh but you know i saw this big guy you know he has over a million followers he's like uh i mean he didn't pay his taxes like every bitcoin guy you know and I think that's kind of uh, what what the play is here, because it's not about the money. I mean, who cares? And plus, if they actually cared, uh, there's a lot other people they could go after. I mean, in the US, the classic example is Nancy Pelosi and her whole family, right? Like, I mean, go investigate that, you know? There's, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, that's what I think about it, right? So I, I'm sure we'll never really know, but uh, at least that's the way everyone should, uh, interpret it or at least keep it in the back of their minds because i mean whether there's um some tax fraud or not uh based on where he lives i mean that's for me i find it crazy you know that in the us it can be a problem between states that's uh, like uh that's so funny it's the same country you know but just uh, yeah so it's as a european it's it's a, it's a funny concept um but uh, yeah i think it's not such a big deal but bitcoin is a big deal to them yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's interesting that you say that, you know, about the different states, right? So, you know, a big portion of it, a big reason why a lot of people try to, to live in states like Florida or Texas is just, you know, the tax benefits. There's no state income tax in those states. Uh, states like D.C. and uh, New York, they have very high state income tax. So if you live in those states, you know, it could be something where it's like 20% of your income is not going to that state. Um, you know, so obviously... Somebody like Michael Saylor is going to try to try to do something to avoid that. But, you know, exactly what you said, um, the IRS, you know, announced that they're doubling in size with, for their agents, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And uh, I actually had a, a map in my newsletter where it was like where the audits are mostly performed and, um, you know, where uh, like the most poverty. Uh, places and counties in the country are and they basically lined up almost perfectly and you know that's because exactly like you said like the people who have a lot of money can find ways and find you know tax guys to hire 
uh, in order to kind of get around these. And so at the end of the day, uh, the IRS is just kind of looking at like how to get the most bang for their buck. And usually it'll be from people that are just like, hey, like, you know, it's an extra thousand dollars. Like I'm not, I, I don't have the money to really hire somebody out to get this. So I'm just going to pay it. Whereas, you know, somebody big is going to, uh, you know, kind of uh, tr try to find the ways to avoid that. And so, you know, I think uh, it was just kind of a matter of time. I think, you know, the uh, it's all obviously, like you said, speculation. But I think at the end of the day, like, it is kind of, a, you know, a, a little media play by doing it all on Twitter. So, you know, hopefully that that uh, these stories kind of slow down or like maybe people maybe it helps open their eyes that are like okay you know that that they're seeing this bitcoiner guy and they're kind of deep doing a deeper dive into the story um but i don't know i mean we'll we'll see where, where this goes i think it, it's going to be something that kind of plays on for a few months um if not years and we'll see you know a lot more headlines around sailor and then if there's more headlines around sailor it'll be more headlines around bitcoin as well um, but on headlines with Bitcoin, um, we're, we're seeing Bitcoin Beach uh, in El Salvador receive massive amounts of funding from their government. So if you don't know the Bitcoin Beach story, you're just kind of new to Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin Beach is El Zante in El Salvador. Uh, it was kind of like a circular economy there. A lot of people were just kind of buying and selling or buying goods and services with Bitcoin and kind of exchanging it on that beach. And that kind of catapulted the start to getting Bitcoin as legal tender in El Salvador. And so now the government is uh, backing all of that by putting a $203 million investment where it's going to go into, quote, fix an area of about 15,000 square meters where there will be a shopping center, parking, beach club, treatment plant, and all that kind of stuff to help revitalize the area. So I know you've been to Bitcoin Beach and kind of stayed out there. So, you know, what do you think about th this donation from the government and overall just, you know, the backing that El Salvador has gotten uh, strictly from, you know, the adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender? Yeah. So, well, actually, the first time I was on uh, your show was when I was in El Zonte, uh, just like a few weeks before the Bitcoin conference in Miami. Um, well, I think... Um, so in El Salvador, there's a whole initiative that is uh, around Surf City, and uh, it's just to bring a bunch of tourists around and so on. And so uh, when you head from uh, San Salvador, the capital city, towards the beaches, um, there's the first city that you uh, reach is uh, called uh, uh, Puerto La Libertad. And basically, there's a, there's a big port, there's a big fish market there. And while I was there, they were building, um, how do you call it, like a, a theme park, um, and, uh, and I know, so this was announced like last week or two weeks ago that this was completed, right? Which was a bit, a big thing there for them. Cause they, I mean, there wasn't something like this in the country. Um, and if you go then a few kilometers, uh, north towards, uh, uh El Zante, before that you already reach a, a small town that is called El Tunco. And there is the start of surf city really. Um, there's, I mean, there's just a special road that goes in there. You pass a sign above you that says uh, Surf City, and uh, and when you arrive in there, there's you know there's a nice street, there's some pavement, there's uh, some shops. You can pay in Bitcoin in many places. There's a lot of restaurants. It's very you know it's a very touristy place. It's very nice too, uh, good for you know going for some drinks, some party, and so on. And and then from there, if you travel another few uh, kilometers or miles, uh, 
you reach El Zante. And in El Zante, well, there's no road, there's no pavement, uh, there's I mean, there's some restaurants, there's some hotels, obviously, some very nice ones too. Uh, so a lot of like small uh, local businesses, but having $200 million for them to be able to, I mean, it's amazing. Like uh, it makes me very bullish on El Zante um, and very happy for all the locals that I could have met while I was there because, uh, you know, like they need it. And there's the, I mean, it's great for the tourism that has been increasing since El Salvador adopted Bitcoin, right? So I think it's a great way to just stay on this flow. You know, they've uh, increased tourism, increased security. Uh, this also increases tourism. Uh, improving the tourist facilities will just, you know, it allows them to keep the ball rolling and just continue with this flow of tourism that is, uh, I mean, you know, just brings a huge amount of uh, foreign capital into the country. So it's a, uh, it's really cool. And um, actually, I was really happy when seeing that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I mean, you mentioned it before. So uh, about the tourism aspect. And so, you know, El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal tender now, a, a, like a year and a day or two over. Um, now that we're recording this, we're recording this on the 8th. So I believe mm. it was on the 6th or 7th. Oh, yes, 7th, I think. Yeah, Yeah, it was the 7th. Um, so yeah, a, a year and a day after uh, El Salvador has adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. And, you know, it, it hasn't been exactly, you know, a smooth sailing ride. But, uh, you know, a country like El Salvador that's you know, kind of starting off almost like a, a third world country, like it's, it's obviously been like a huge benefit strictly, you know, if you just kind of look at some of the uh, stats that I have here. So tourism has increased by 82% in the first half of 2022 compared to any other year. And so, you know, that that is astronomically huge. And you're seeing like things like this big push to help develop El Zante Bitcoin Beach. Um, you're also seeing like $50 million worth of remittance payments used over the Bitcoin network, um, just kind of being poured into the city. So, you, you know, although, you know, you've seen like the Chivo wallet, the Volcano Bitcoin backed bonds kind of being delayed, you are seeing a lot of positives. And so, you know, what, what are your like major takeaways from uh, Bitcoin being legal tender in El Salvador, El Salvador for a year? And what are kind of some things that you're looking for or, you know, that, that you're hoping happens in the next in, in year two? So I really hope that the price of Bitcoin goes back up and stays up. Um, not for myself personally, although of course, but <laughs> really for the uh, local economy and also to confirm that it works, you know, because right now um, the price it's compared to last year, it's dropped uh, well quite a bit, including the day one of uh, the El Salvador, um, you know, Bitcoin journey. Uh, it's below these prices today, right? So I think uh, it's um, it's very important to uh, for the price to go to go up to confirm that it was a good strategy, and the opposition won't have that much ammo against uh, Nayib Bukele because that's kind of what's happening, right? There's on one side Nayib Bukele that is you know pro Bitcoin, although of course it's not his priority, but he's pro Bitcoin and thinks that it can be 
bring a lot of positive to the country. But at the same time, there's the opposition that uh, uses Bitcoin as an excuse and they just slam the media. I mean, when the price drops, the media is just right at it, you know, saying how, well, they put all this money in Bitcoin, they could have put it in schools and like, uh, you know, just staying on the high level concepts, not even thinking of how treasury is managed at that, you know, state level. And um, being able to confirm the fact that it was a good move um, directly with Bitcoin, um, I think would be good because, you know, it's easy for them to say, yeah, but, you know, there's an increase in tourism that has nothing to do with Bitcoin. You know, it can be we had nicer weather than elsewhere. I mean, whatever. Right. There's always a, a good explanation behind it. But actually would talk with Bitcoin are our numbers because, uh, you know, a 200 million dollar investment for uh, the El Zante area, um, increase in tourism, increase in energy. This is all like everything can be related to something else, not Bitcoin directly. So that's, I think, uh, what matters the most. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, as long as they continue going this way, it's not like there's, for now, any risk for Nayib Bukele, I feel like he's super popular. He's like the most popular president in the El Salvador history <laughs> or modern history uh, and in the region, in fact. So I think what I really look forward to is having this confirmation that would also allow others in the region to really say okay yes we're seeing it right i also mentioned it at the beginning yeah that like honduras has a few cities now that just accept bitcoin in the hopes of bringing tourism yeah? so they're kind of going on that part of the bet that uh, may bukele did uh just the government not yet committing money to it uh well that we know of but i guess we would know yeah exactly and i think you know it's it, like you said it, it hasn't really been uh smooth sailing and you know that's because yeah, we've seen like a 60% drop. And so I think, uh, you, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of people, yeah, like you said, jump on them, kind of uh, be super negative because like there's a lot of paper losses. But, you know, at the end of the day, they haven't sold. So is it really a loss? You know, I mean, if they hold on to their Bitcoin and it reaches 100K per Bitcoin, you know, everybody's going to be kind of like jumping on the El Salvador bandwagon. And I think El Salvador is going to be okay. Um, I think, you know, obviously we're, we're seeing like a big, almost like a global recession, uh, hopefully not a global depression, but we're seeing a lot of, you know, issues going on with the monetary policy now. So it's not just privy to Bitcoin. And I think everybody just that's a Bitcoin bear just kind of likes to point all these issues on Bitcoin when really like the, the whole world is struggling, like every single uh, fiat currency is down compared to the US dollar. And Bitcoin kind of has these you know, volatile waves. And so, uh, you know, it seems like Bukele is kind of in it for the long run. And uh, yeah, like, like you said, there, there's been a lot of positives that have come to it. And I think there's going to be more and more incentives uh, for businesses and Bitcoiners in general to kind of come down and live in El Salvador. So, I mean, as the price goes up, you'll see, you know, more and more wealthy Bitcoiners kind of come and flock around. And then, uh, you know, find places where Bitcoin is friendly and El Salvador and El Zante might be one of those places that kind of benefits a lot from that. So I think uh, we're going to see a lot of other countries kind of taking notes on that and a lot of other countries kind of, you know, doing uh, the El Salvador route. But I think, like you said, it's going to take a price shoot up, unfortunately, as much as Bitcoiners like yeah. to like the cheap sats. It's uh, it is a lot of dependence on, on the price.
Yeah, but uh, but you know, but I'm very bullish on El Salvador in general. I mean, the people are awesome. The place is beautiful, and uh, I'm myself looking to open a business there for the. I mean, where I want to set up the company for the documentary is in El Salvador, just for the whole Bitcoin story. I mean, it's quite a story. I think documenting this is also very interesting. So that's uh, you know, that's um, yeah, I'm super bullish on El Salvador. Yeah, there we go. And then, you know, like like we've mentioned, there are other Latin American countries that are kind of getting on board. And so the last story to wrap it up is I've seen 200 businesses in Guatemala are also uh, accepting Bitcoin. So Guatemala is pretty interesting because it's got a similar area to Bitcoin Beach. They're calling it Bitcoin Lake. Um, mm -hmm. So it's uh, kind of moving along and moving towards adoption and kind of doing that grassroots movement but the government still hasn't really embraced it yet. Um, so, you know, do you think that uh, I guess this is going to be kind of the way where a lot of these uh, people like areas in a country kind of adopts Bitcoin uh, similar to a Bitcoin beach or a Bitcoin lake. And then eventually it's, you know, gradually people kind of come in, travel there, and then suddenly the, the government uh, implements it. Or do you think like more governments are going to kind of, start to see the benefits and uh, open up and allow Bitcoin for use of legal as legal tender. Well, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, a few like in the months following uh, the El Salvador adoption of Bitcoin, uh, some government officials from uh, Guatemala also expressed their positive attitude towards Bitcoin and that they would be willing to adopt it now. For whatever reason, these conversations ended. Maybe it has to do with, uh, you know, what I mentioned, Samson Mao and the pressure that he said that existed over there, because Guatemala is one of the countries that he visited then. Um, but I think, um, I mean, yeah, I, I think that given the popularity of Nayib Bukele in the region, given the fact they're neighboring countries, um, the fact that Nayib Bukele is trying to reunite these countries economically. Um, so uh, Central America used to be one country, right? And then they split because of well, too many conflicts and all. And Nayib Bukele is the first president that has the, um, uh, you know, the, the appeal from the crowds, let's say, to kind of bring them back together, not as one country, but as a, an economical power. And I think that you know, if the bet works in El Salvador, then these other countries are going to directly from the government are going to start following too, I believe, because I mean, it's, you know, you can, if it's your neighbor right there, you can literally drive there. It's a two hour drive from El Salvador to Guatemala. Like, I mean, well, it depends where you are, right? Because but from the capital city to Guatemala, it's two hours. So I think, um, it's um yeah it's it's an easy thing to see and if the only thing you have to do is accept another currency like i don't know it's i think it's a no-brainer in a situation where every currency in the world is failing today right when you see it all this inflation means that on the opposite side i mean there's prices going up but the opposite side means that the currency is worth less and less so after all i mean bitcoin isn't that much worse you know i think that's the kind of the kind of thought that that will start to start appearing in people's minds there and uh yeah and so i think 200 businesses accepting it is awesome just like honduras neighboring countries same thing are starting to to accept it so you know it's from the ground up and uh i know that the 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 guy from bitcoin uh, lake uh, he was also in Bitcoin Beach. In fact, I, I didn't meet him. I dismissed him. But a lot of people like told me about it when I was uh, in Bitcoin Beach myself. And uh, 
Yeah, and he's really doing something there. And uh, I mean, from what I gather, it's slow and it's hard to get started, but this is just the way of thing. This is it's Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is slow at, you know, progressing. That's what it is. And that's what makes its power. I think it's just like if you want to make any updates on the Bitcoin network, it's going to take time because it's, you know, it's a powerful, strong and reliant asset. I think that's a uh, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of issues in, or at least I'm seeing a lot of issues, like a lot of businesses in the United States kind of being a pushback on it because, you know, more, more people are kind of flocking to the dollar, but you know, the inflation aspects of it, a lot of, you know, uh, like you said, a lot of Latin American countries suffer from that. And it seems like, you know, in the United States specifically, you see that kind of in a in a smaller level, right? When it comes to recessions, the rich generally get richer, the poor generally get poor because they have their money parked in assets. Um, and so, you know, those the rich generally bosses and, uh, you know, poor employees that end up losing their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I'm hoping to see a lot more of these Latin American countries kind of get these these grassroots movements. And, and, you know, it is encouraging. And I think I think Bukele said two was his prediction countries uh, this year. We're going to uh, mm. make Bitcoin legal tender. And we had uh, the Central African Republic uh, make Bitcoin legal tender, although I haven't really heard much from them since since that announcement. Um and then yeah, because they went full shitcoin. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I had uh, I had Paco from uh, Run with Bitcoin on, and he said that, that at that time that they were developing their own shitcoins. So, mm. um, you know, hopefully more of these Latin American countries kind of just go Bitcoin and Bitcoin only. But we'll see. I mean, I think it's it's positive for that region, and uh, yeah, I look for more stuff uh, going forward on Latin America, and I'm looking forward to your film as well. Um, you know, help help cover cover that and uh, show a lot of uh, countries around that region, uh, you know, hopefully skyrocket and prosper in the next, you know, 20, 30 years or so. So awesome yeah. stuff. Thanks so much for coming on and, uh, you know, giving me your time. So, uh, Pierre, as always, it was a pleasure. Why don't you tell everybody, you know, what what you got going on and where they can find you? Yeah. So, um, you know, as I said earlier, we're like really working on trying to put some content out there that can allow uh, people to follow the story of the film as we're building it through articles, videos, and we're really trying to get some, you know, exclusive outlook there um, and just spread as much info as possible. So just follow us on, on Twitter. I mean, you can follow me directly. I retweet everything, but uh, you can also go follow The Great Reset Films. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're getting quite a bit of traction and that's where we share everything about the fundraiser, but about our research and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, go find us there. Yeah. Follow him on Twitter too, at Sierra Porvin. So, uh, be sure to do that. And I'll link both of the Twitter profiles in the show notes and the description. So be sure to check those out and donate. If you have some to the guys are fund, uh, help, uh, Pierre, you know, catapult this project forward and get it rolling so Pierre, yeah so, so if, if, if i can add also something there is that we have from the geyser fundraiser we have two kpis one of them is how much we actually raise the other one is how many people donate we have one guy that donated literally one sat over the lightning network i mean in terms of value it's almost nothing but in terms of you know support it's huge so like if you even have one spare one set to spare please donate <laughs> 
Yeah, there we go. Yeah, get get those numbers up, get the number of supporters up. And, uh, you know, the, the first film uh, obviously was phenomenal. So uh, be sure to support that and get the help here, get the word out on Bitcoin. Yeah, thanks a lot, Brandon. Thanks for, for having me and uh, I'll talk to you very soon, man. Yeah, of course.